Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. We are rounding out our series today in our studies on work. We're looking at how God designed us for work and what God calls us to on a day-to-day basis. And we've talked about what it means to map God's plan for our lives on top of our daily circuit, on top of our daily routine, whether we're in the home, in the classroom, or in the office, to ask, what does Jesus want to do in the places that I frequent? And we've talked about the fact that when we reconnect with Jesus and allow him to to feed into us, our life, our work life becomes different. We're nourished in a different way. We're no longer striving and fighting for ourselves. We're now letting him guide us and provide for us. And so today, I want to look at what that means for our money. Because a lot of us go into the world of work concerned about or pursuing money. And I have the sense that money is a tool that God has put in our hands for specific purposes. And we often end up using that tool for different purposes than He intended. Uh, As we dive into God's Word today, as we look at the Scriptures, I think that's what we'll find. Take a minute, let's pray with me. Jesus, thank You that You do provide for us, that You care for us, that You are invested in our every day and our every moment. We invite You into our work lives. We invite you into our daily processes and routines and pathways and ask that you would turn them into a a divine circuit of your calling, that we would have eyes and ears and hearts for those divine appointments that you call us to, where we might be your witnesses in the world. Jesus, bless our work and use it for your purposes. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, think for a minute. What is money? What money? We could go back to the, the classic Adam Smith definition and say money is a record of labor to facilitate the circulation of goods and services. That's the famous Adam Smith Wealth of Nations definition, right? And that's a good technical definition. But, but it actually serves more purposes than just that, just its function, because it immediately gets interwoven with our identities and our values. Um, There was a famous book that came out 15 years ago called Guns, Germs, and Steel, Pulitzer Prize-winning book, that said that the reason certain nations developed wealth faster uh, and more significantly was because they existed in uh, geographical climates that were most conducive to uh, rich farming. And and the the production of rich farming created a class stratification where those who owned the land could hire people to work the land. And those who owned the land then had more leisure time to produce technology, which continued to to stratify classes. So money, uh, both in its origin and today, becomes a source of of class stratification, a a source of status, right? If it's it's not just a, a, a thing that provides for us, it actually helps helps us define our identities in contrast to other people. It it feeds into our egos, how we feel about ourselves in relation to the rest of humanity. Um, If 
if it's not uh, just a measure of, not a way to purchase stuff or a measure of status, it's also a source of stress relief, or at least we think it's going to be. We think if I, if I amass enough that I, I no longer have to worry about the future, then I can live in peace. If I get to the point where I have enough stuff that I don't, I don't have to be concerned about whether or not I can take care of my kids or get to college or get to retirement, if I finally get enough, I can, I can relax. And we think money is going to be one of these three things. It's a, it's a source of stuff. It's a source of status. It's a source of stress relief. But in the end, I don't think any of those is actually the reason God puts resources in our hands. I think God has something very different in mind. And if we look at the scriptures, we can get a good picture of what God actually wants in the providing of resources for us. Let's look back at the history of God providing for his people, starting back at the beginning. You remember in this series, we talked about Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, and they were given the task of stewarding the garden. Work was not a punishment for the, for the fall. Initially, they were put in the garden for stewarding the garden. The punishment for eating the forbidden fruit was that the ground would no longer cooperate with them. You will work the ground by the sweat of your brow. Your relationships will no longer exist naturally. And that's the, the curse of the fall. By the end of the book of Genesis, we see that curse actually taking place. Adam is told, you're going to work by the sweat of the brow, your brow. The ground will not cooperate you. And by the end of the book of Genesis, there's a famine. The land is not producing. And because of the famine, God's people end up in slavery in Egypt. They go to Egypt seeking resources. And for a certain season of their lives, Egypt provides for them. But often that thing that provides for us becomes that thing that enslaves us. Often God provides resources for us that at first protect us or nourish us. And then we become addicted to the gifts instead of the giver and the gifts enslave us. And so by the end of Genesis, the beginning of Exodus, they're in slavery in Egypt. So they call out to God for freedom, and God sets them free from Egypt and sends them out into the wilderness. And their first complaint in the wilderness is, again, we don't have enough to survive on. The, the land is not going to produce for us. We're in the desert. We can't grow anything out here. And they complain that they no longer get to enjoy the barbecues of Egypt. So God causes bread to rain down from the heavens. God causes manna to fall from the sky. God shows them, when you trust in me, I will provide for you. Your work does not have to be hard. That was the, the curse of the fall. But if you live life with me, if you reconnect to the vine, I will provide for you. So later on, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, it's a throwback to manna falling from the sky. It's a reminder that when we trust in God, God will provide for us. It's not just a prayer that God would provide. It's a reminder that he has provided. And Jesus will then say, now don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Back when they were going through the desert, manna fell from the sky. They were only to collect enough manna for the day. They were not to store up for the next day. In fact, God made it so that if they, they picked up enough bread for the next day, it would rot overnight. So they were only to pick up enough for the day. And Jesus will teach them to pray, give us this day our daily bread, bread enough for today. And he'll teach them, don't, don't store up on earth because moths eat and rust destroys. So 
So when we ask what God wants to provide for us, remember the, the image I always go to is what would a good, loving, and healthy parent want for their kids? What would a good, loving, and healthy parent want for their kids? God is a good, loving, and healthy parent. And if I ever get in that place where I worry, is God going to take care of me? I ask myself, what would a good, loving, and healthy parent do? If I ever get in that place where, where I worry, if, if I trust God with my resources, am I going to have anything left? I ask myself, what would a good, loving, and healthy parent do? And God has laid out through the story of the scriptures a picture of what he, as a good, loving, and healthy parent, has done. He's provided for his people. When they end up in places of famine or desert, he gives them supernaturally what they need, and he leads them towards a land flowing with milk and honey, towards gardens that will provide for them, vineyards that they did not plant. And that's the image that God has in his providence. That's the story of the scriptures and God providing for us. Now, in the scriptures, God lays out for us a practice that will teach us to live in that system of depending on him, on looking on him to be our vine, our source of nutrients. <clears throat> and that practice is called tithing. Tithing is the act of giving the first 10% of your resources back to God. In the book of Leviticus, God lays it out. Leviticus chapter 27 is where it first appears. It says, a tithe of everything. And the word tithe means 10%. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That's the first place it's mentioned. And, and it's reiterated throughout the Bible. But in the very beginning, as they're traveling through the wilderness, God says, I want you to take the first 10% of your crops or your flocks, and I want you to return those to me. And that actually serves four different purposes. One, it is a reminder to us of where our resources have come from. By surrendering the first tenth to God, we say, I acknowledge that this was yours anyway. I acknowledge that this came from you. And so in obedience, I return this to you. Secondly, it cultivates generosity in our hearts. That act of forcing ourselves to give makes us a generous people. It teaches us that generosity is going to be part of our nature. And generosity works like a muscle. You have to exercise it for it to be strong. Uh, I remember many, many years ago talking to a guy who said, I'm going to wait until I get to that point in life where I'm well off, and then I'll start tithing. In the meantime, I'm going to save up for that. But the day will come where I'm sufficiently well off that I'll start tithing. I can guarantee you he never did. Because tithing is a muscle. Generosity is a muscle. And if you don't ex exercise it in your younger years, it will atrophy in your older years. And so God puts in place the, the discipline of tithing to teach his people to exercise generosity. Thirdly, tithing uh, uh, motivates us to maintain a, a a center of worship in our communities, a house of worship in the center of our communities. The vision for the temple was that it would be like a hub of a wheel. And all of the community, all of God's people would emanate outwards from the hub like spokes from a wheel. And so tithing is that act of maintaining a house of worship in the center of our communities. But the purpose I really want to look at today is the fourth one. And the fourth purpose is to catalyze a relationship between us and God in which we see cause and effect. If we tithe, 
we get to see what God does with it. If we use the tool of money the way God intends us to, we get to see what God does with it. This is in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 7. God says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The invitation is to come and see that the Lord is good. Come and see what God does with our generosity. When we're obedient, we're, when we're faithful, God says, Try it out, watch, see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and provide for you more than you could have provided for yourself. When you trust me in this, watch what I do with it. Tithing is an invitation into a cause and effect relationship where we get to see what God does with our faithfulness. God charges his people here. He says, you're, you're robbing me. But in fact, they are robbing themselves. They are stealing from themselves the opportunity to see God's goodness. God wants to show us how good he is. But the, the process that he has set up is one in which we are generous and he in return responds. We have to take that first step to see what God's, gonna, God's going to do with it. Um, this actually reminds me of uh, something a, a friend of mine um, went through um, a, a while back, I remember uh, being over at a friend's house and we, I was in his garage and uh, he had quite a, a tool collection. He had amassed a tool collection over the course of his life. And I was looking at all these various tools he had, but I noticed uh, on the side of some of the tools, there were dents. There were odd little dents, like on the side of a drill, there were dents. On the side of an electric saw, there were dents. And, and I said to him, hey, what are all these little divots in all of your tools? And he said, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need a hammer. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, that's what a hammer is for. And he goes, well, if I don't have a hammer in my hand, I've just, you know, I use whatever tool I have to, to bang a nail into place. So he had literally like taken a drill, the backside of a drill. And when he didn't have a hammer nearby, he just used the drill as a hammer. And he left little dents in all of his tools. And I asked him, have you ever ruined tools doing this? And he goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, right? Because he was, he's just too lazy to go pick up a hammer when he needed it. So he used all these different tools as a hammer. And all of them were filled with divots from where he had banged them against things. That, that's not what they were for. That's not how you're supposed to use a drill or a saw. A hammer is for hammering and that's it. And so he had used all these tools incorrectly and damaged all the tools. Some of them he had ruined. And I have the sense that's what we do with money a lot of the time. God puts us puts money in our hands for specific purposes, to cultivate generosity, uh, to teach us to be gracious, to keep a house of worship alive and active in our community, 
to show us that he's a good God, that when we're faithful in our tithing, he will be abundantly generous with us. And instead, we use money to pad the nest and make ourselves comfortable. Money is a tool that God has put in our hands for specific purposes, and we use it for different purposes than he intended. And when we do that, we damage the tool. We damage the tool and we don't get the job done as well. Adam in the Garden of Eden was cursed in that the ground would not cooperate with him. Work was now going to be difficult. And when we live according to our own means, instead of following after God's call, when we misuse his tools, work becomes more difficult for us. He says, just test this out. Trust me in this. See if in response to your faithful tithing, see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven. Look for this cause and effect relationship. Use this tool correctly and watch what I do with it in response. What we do is like something that happened to me when I was a kid. I was in church one time. One of these churches where even as a kid, you had to wear a necktie and sit and be quiet for like 14 hours. It was a marathon service. And there was this one moment in the service where I forget why they were doing this, but they were collecting an offering. And instead of passing offering plates down the aisle like we used to do, they put a plate on a table up in front of the whole church. And every single family was to, to walk forward in a line and put their offering in the offering plate so that everybody could see. Not, not at all manipulative there. And, and I wasn't paying any attention. I was a little kid. I wasn't really interested in this anyway. But, but we're about to, our row is about to be invited forward to walk past this offering plate and put money in it. And I'm not paying any attention. I don't know what's going on. And my dad turns to me and he hands me a dollar. And I don't know why he has done this. I'm not paying any attention to this boring adult service. And now I have a dollar in my hand and all of a sudden my row is standing up and we're walking somewhere. And I don't know where we're going. I'm just following along. And we walk up, we walk down to the front. Everybody's watching, everybody's watching. We get to the front of the room and I'm behind my parents and we walk past this offering plate up in the, the front and on table and everybody can see it. And I have this dollar in my hand and I get up right past it and I, I look in the offering plate and I keep walking. And it suddenly occurs to me as I'm walking away that the reason there's a dollar in my hand is because I was supposed to put it in that offering plate with everybody watching me walk by with the dollar still in my hand. When I got back to our row, I turned to my dad and I said, what's this for? It got where it was going. I didn't keep it. But there was this moment where the, the money was put in my hand by my dad for a specific purpose and I didn't understand the purpose and I didn't do it right. And I think that's what most of us do with our resources all the time. God puts them, our father puts them in our hands for a specific purpose and we miss it in plain view of the whole world. We, we keep it in our hands at the moment he told us to give it away. And we miss the cause and effect relationship of seeing how God how good God is when we're faithful with the resources that he's given us. We go at our work and we're exhausted and frustrated. We wonder, is there any other way to be happy? Is there something else I should be doing? And I think by and large, we're missing what's right in front of us. God has put resources in our hands and called us to use them faithfully. And we miss the purpose. We, we go at them thinking, this is here to provide for me, to make me comfortable or happy or safe. This is to give me status. This is to give me stress relief. 
And in fact, what God has, the reason for which God has given us that tool is to show us how good he is. Jesus will say in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. As we look at this, this resource that God has given us, God has given, a, given it to us with the explicit intention that we use it to make an exchange. We get the better treasure when we use it to make an exchange. That's the, that's the explicit teaching of Jesus. You wouldn't take a Van Gogh and hang it on the wall of a Motel 6 that you're staying in for a little while. That would be a waste of that resource. The, the Motel 6 is, you're only going to be there a little while and it's a cheap place to stay anyway. You wouldn't take all that God has given us and use it to pad these temporary bodies and these temporary structures when in fact it has such a better purpose. When we, when we use our resources as an exchange to invest in God's kingdom instead of ourselves, we get to see how, how good God is. So I've been talking about things like this for more than 20 years in churches. And I know by and large, this is going to fall on deaf ears. Some of us really need to start tithing. Some of us need to start practicing radical acts of generosity. If you go to reallife.la forward slash compassion, you can sponsor a, a kid in a developing nation and send them money every month that provides for their school and their clothes and their food, Christian education. When we do things like our diaper drive and our change collection for Mexico, you guys were amazing in stepping forward and providing generously. That needs to be a lifestyle, not an occasional habit. If you haven't picked up one of our blessing cards, it's time to do that. To, to have with you constantly a list of people that you are praying for and seeking to bless with your generosity so as to introduce them to Jesus. The call on our lives is not to take the resources that God gives us and hold on to them for dear life for fear they will run out, but instead to recognize the goodness of the giver and to realize when he says, give me back this much of it, use this much of it to create a house of worship to me in your community. God will throw open the floodgates of heaven and say, let me provide for you more than you can imagine because you trust me with what I give you. What most of us will experience in this life is like something that happened, a scene from a very old movie. Before there was a, a new little mermaid or an old little mermaid, there was, a, there was a mermaid movie back in the 1980s, and I don't even remember the name of it because it was a dumb comedy. But I, I remember Daryl Hannah was in it. And I, when I was in high school, I thought maybe I wanted to marry, marry Daryl Hannah. So I went and saw this, this mermaid movie. And there's this scene in which this, this mermaid has grown feet and she's walking around on the earth and discovering human life and is surprised by everything. And this guy gives her a wrapped present, like a Christmas gift or a birthday present. And she receives this beautifully wrapped box with a ribbon on it. And she takes the box and she hugs it 
And she says, oh, thank you so much. And he says, no, 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 you, you have to open it. You have to open the gift. And she looks at it, and she thinks that this beautiful box that she's been given is the present. And she looks at it, and she looks at him, and she says, you mean there's more? She doesn't realize that the pretty wrapping is just something you take off to get to the gift that's inside. Well, for most of us, in our resources, God has given us a wrapped gift. And most of us look at the resources that God has given us, and we wrap our arms around it and say, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for these resources. And God looks at us and, and is waiting. God is looking at us right now and saying, open the box. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, give us the courage and the faith to surrender into your hands everything that you've given us, to entrust you with our tithes and our offerings, with our generosity and our kindness. Teach us to live to bless other people and not just to hold on to things for ourselves. Teach us to surrender our stress and our status and instead just to, to live for your kingdom. Jesus, we give you our work. Use our daily lives as a calling for your kingdom. Pour out your spirit into our daily experiences that we might see every day as an opportunity to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.